Welcome to the Behavior Speak podcast. Now, here's your host, Ben Ryman. Welcome to another episode of the Behavior Speak podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Ryman. Uh, today on the show, we've got uh, uh, Dr. Robin, and is it Arnold or Arnal or how do you pronounce your name? I say Arnold. But I yeah. I will answer to whatever. Ah, no. <laughs> I, I understand it's unusual. Yeah, no, I mean I think most most last names are um, <laughs> tend to be unusual unless you're Smith or Jones. Um, yes. So cool. Th- thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for the invite. I'm very excited to be here. Very different experience for me. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, this is going to be cool then. Uh, before we get started. I just want to quickly acknowledge that I'm producing this podcast on the lands of the Tlaaman, Homoko, Klahus, and Comox First Nations, um, which were which were uh, one community before the settlers came in and moved everyone to different reserves around around the province. Um, uh, the island that I live on is called um, Sayayin in the Tlaaman language. Um, and the village I live in is called Isam, which I believe means mouth of the bay. And I think Sayayin means like end of island in, in, in sort of a, a rough kind of uh, um, sort of you know, English English translation. Um, uh, and as I understand it, uh, there's, there's, there's a bit of a, a debate, I guess, between sort of what lands I'm actually on. Uh, there's sort of, there's a, there's a really neat website called, um, and I don't know if it applies, if, if, if it works in the U.S. or not, but it's called native-land.ca, and, uh, which, which is a great name uh, if you're familiar with uh, Canada's national anthem, um, uh, because there, there, is a, there is a phrase in our national anthem where we say, our home and native land. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't written to reflect the indigenous folks, and in fact, reflect, re- written to reflect the uh, the colonizers. So there's a bit of a play there. Uh, but native-land.ca is essentially a kind of a a mapping website where uh, you can uh, basically find out where you live and learn about what all the different indigenous communities are in those lands. Um, so, for example, I, I live maybe kind of two hours north of Vancouver, British Columbia. You open up the map, it doesn't say Vancouver anywhere, so you kind of have to know your geography a bit, but you can sort of see the land areas and see all the different uh, First Nations. And what's interesting is, you know, they're not, you know, kind of sectioned out like states. Um, Many of them sort of overlap each other. Um, And I think part of that is because of, you know, sort of treaties and different things like that. But I think also because, um, you know, um, um, well, just I think just over time, you know, information kind of got lost. Um, so I've also been told that I live on the Seashelt First Nation, which is actually a, a a village that's about a you know hundred miles or so south of us. So it's interesting, kind of all all those different pieces. Uh, one thing um, you and I were talking about, Robin, uh, just Peace. before we started, when I said I was going to be doing this acknowledgement, is is that we're recording this episode today is October. Uh, 14th, 2022. So just uh, four days after um, um, the a long weekend uh, uh, in Canada, it's the Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend. 
and in the states it's the uh, uh, is, is do do folks get the Monday off like um, generally or do you know or is it a I holiday never had for, yeah so, <laughs> um, so it, I think it may or may not be a maybe? long weekend but it but but in any case uh, the the Monday the the tenth I believe uh, historically has been known as Columbus Day in the U S and uh, that of course has a lot of uh, um, you know problematic. Uh, um, you know, kind of connotations uh, in terms of sort of first off the idea that you know Columbus discovered um, uh, America um, and uh, and a whole bunch of other problems in there. Uh, the whole idea of discovered, in fact, is is a really you know uh, problematic term when you're talking about sort of uh, indigenous lands because obviously these lands and these people were there for thousands and thousands of years. So you know. They weren't discovered by by anyone, you know, uh, and, and certainly from sort of from the U.S., from 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 Europe or whatnot. Um, and I know, I believe it was, uh, I believe President Biden actually did some sort of declaration this year that Monday would now be called Indigenous Peoples Day, which I think is amazing, um, and, and 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 definitely the right thing to do. But obviously, there's been a lot of you know, horrible rhetoric online, a lot of hate stuff, a lot of racism. Same for us. Like Canadian Thanksgiving, Basically. lots of problems there. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, we know th- Thanksgiving in Canada, like in the U.S., is a very, you know, settler-focused, colonizer kind of kind of um, celebration. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really like the idea of Indigenous Day, and it'd be cool if. Uh, if Canada followed suit, although I, I, I doubt it, uh, I doubt that's going to happen. Just with Thanksgiving being sort of, you know, such a well, anyway, <laughs> such a such a, a, a privileged, uh, problematic day. But um, you know, it, it's nice to see some of these steps being made. And and uh, generally speaking, when the U.S. does something, we do tend to be more likely to follow through. So maybe we'll see some change on that part. Anyway, I'm really grateful to be on the unceded lands, and uh, and uh, yeah, look forward to talking and learning more, um, and uh, hopefully sharing some new information that I've learned about local folks in the next episode. Um, getting back to our guest, um, uh, Dr. Arnold, I, I, I found online. Um, uh, I often do a lot of my uh, uh, guest hunting on. Um, on uh, kind of research pages, Google Scholar, ResearchGate, that sort of thing, and and uh, when I happened upon uh, 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 your profile, I just was like, look at all these these cool articles. They're just on so many random topics that I've I've never seen yeah. anyone really really talk about. And so when I reached out to you, the response you you gave back to me was was that. Uh, paraphrasing but basically pointing out that there's not a lot of opportunities for uh you know a novel researcher to kind of disseminate their work and i'm like that's what this podcast is all about is just (laughs) disseminating stuff that's that's funky and cool and not uh not sort of you know your standard sort of jab articles so uh you know i'm excited to have you on and then you know and and then also discovered sort of uh you know, after the fact that uh, um, you were uh, also uh, um, 
autistic. Um, and I, I love uh, I love getting autistic folk on here and, and, and getting that perspective. Um, I just did an interview. Uh, I just re- I just released an interview today for, from an autistic individual. Um, um, uh, and uh, I had a really cool interview a couple days ago with uh, uh, Tiffany Joseph. I don't know if you know the name. Uh, she's uh, is she's, it Bridgetson for oh no, that's Hammond. That's Bridgetson the other Price? Tiffany. So that's that's Tiffany okay. Hammond. I had her on. Uh, she's episode forty five. But uh, yeah, yes. she's so cool. Uh, but Tiffany Joseph, who actually found actually through Fidgets and Fries um, uh, website or, or sort of a, a Instagram account, uh, also a, 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 a black autistic uh, advocate of sorts, um, who uses. Um, who uses and advocates and talks a lot about AAC. And, and the interview was so cool because, um, um, at least for me, it was so cool because typically when you have conversations sort of recorded, typically you do like interviews or whatever with folks that are using AAC, you often send them questions in advance. They, you know, they figure out all the answers and then they're just essentially, you know, during interviews, pressing a button for each, answer um we decided to do something a little different and do uh a live real-time conversation using ac and so the episode itself was a couple hours long but the actual talking was probably an hour because there was you know a two or three minute pause in between each question well tiffany went yeah and live action you know typed the answer so it was an actual conversation um which was so cool um, and a real, um, 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 exercise in, in mindfulness and staying present for me because, you know, I essentially had to sit here and, you know, yeah. wait and, Take the and pause. be a good listener. I couldn't look at my watch. I couldn't yeah. look at my phone. I couldn't go pet my dog. I couldn't go for a walk to the bathroom. All things that folks probably do with folks, um, you know, that are using AC, um, um, when, you know, when they're waiting for them to sort of speak. So it was really neat. Um, and a really neat experience. Yeah. And, and, uh, so looking forward to that coming out. So I, I love, I love getting autistic folks on, especially autistic folks that are in the field. Um, um, you know, I think we need a lot more of them, uh, of, of, of you. Um, uh, particularly I, we need, you know, uh, uh, autistic folks who are, doing research in ABA because that's, uh, okay. that's, uh, I agree. Yeah. That's just that, 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 that's a whole other angle, which we'll probably, we may even get into at some point in the conversation. Uh, but before we kind of, kind of dive into some of that stuff, I wouldn't mind kind of getting a bit of like your, your kind of origin story, both in terms of, um, uh, I know you're, uh, you're late diagnosed. So both in terms of maybe, your your journey to your diagnosis but also kind of how you got in the field of aba and how you came to be doing uh, the work you're doing now sure yeah um well i started out in autism services around 2008 i just gotten my bachelor's degree um i was initially a theater major fun fact Mm. (laughs) um i think that contributed to masking throughout Mm, most of my life also um but i ended up with a sociology degree, found um, my first job in like community and parent caregiver training um, and learning about autism. Hmm. Um, It was around this time that um, my previous job had been at a call center 
and mm. it didn't go great for me <laughs> for so many reasons that I understand much better now, um, mm. especially with the neurodivergent lens applied. Mm. Um, but, you know, I had just received psychiatric services for the first time and was diagnosed mm. with obsessive compulsive disorder, um, possible complex trauma, generalized anxiety, agoraphobia, all of the things. Mm. And so um, I had just started getting services for that. And so around this time, I started learning about autism. I'm like, wow, that hits really close to home. Mm. Um, but I was met with a lot of ableism whenever I tried to kind of convey some of that. Sure. Um, I continued on. I got some experience. I did clinical services. Um, I got my licensure in 2014 and certification mm. completed then. And then I was working with all types of ages, all sorts of neurotypes, um, home community clinic. Um, I completed my doctorate in 2019. I started that in 2017. So basically I've just been in school most yeah. of my life, but I like that. I, and yeah. this ABA is actually like one of my interests. And so um, I was right. very focused, got through it, um, did thesis doctorate, and then I did a written comps project um, I started adjunct teaching while I was in my doctorate program because, you know, and I believe you all talked about this on another episode with academia. Um, you have to hustle while you're already spread so thin. Um, mm -hmm. So I did that too. <laughs> Took my first full-time um, professor position with Russell Sage College where I'm still teaching. And that's been mm. since the fall of 2019. So I've been doing that ever since while I still adjunct as well. Right on, right on. Yeah, yeah, that was that. That was uh, I think that was Doctor Lee. The, that episode, kind of mm -hmm. talking about. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Really fascinating, and and brutal system <laughs> of of of. Uh, there are some problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> there are yeah, definitely just, problems. Just, some some inherent barriers in there. You uh -huh. you mentioned uh, kind of when you started getting these diagnoses and, and, uh, which, you know, I think is a common thing for, you know, folks that sort of, you know, present, um, you know, you know I don't, maybe that's not the right word, but folks that actually, it's interesting. I just, I just edited, uh, the, the podcast episode that I released today with a, a, a young woman named Kaylin Partlow and, uh, mm -hmm. And she from, was talking uh, love on the spectrum, right? From love on the spectrum, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Big fan, uh, love her. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. But she's also an RBT, um, mm -hmm. um, and in the field. And so we didn't really focus on the dating side. We focused more on, on, yeah. uh, on, on, on her professional side and some of the barriers and so on and so forth. And um, um, one thing we talked about, we talked about with her is um, she got her diagnosis at age ten. Uh, and but couldn't couldn't actually access ABA services. I mean, this would have been, gosh, maybe fifteen years ago. So that kind of makes sense that there yeah. was maybe less services available. But she couldn't access them not because of necessarily availability, but because of how because of the fact that she was you know highly intelligent and okay. and you know and and and. And, and, you know, her verbal communication was, you know, sort of indistinguishable from sort of anyone else, uh, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, the, from her typical peers or whatnot. And so I would guess, uh, and so what tends to happen with these folks, and, and it sounds like this kind of is probably what happened for you, 
is they instead get all these other diagnoses, you know, um, that mm-hmm. are that you collect you know, them. That may, that, that <laughs> so may still apply. That may still apply. Yeah. You may still have OCD and all these other things, but yeah. you know, there's also a lot of you know similar characteristics to OCD you know, mm-hmm. in, with autistic folk that may not necessarily be OCD, but yes, but they get labeled to those things, and uh, yes, and so. You mentioned that you ran into a lot of ableism. Um, um, was that sort of two questions? Was was that in your in your quest to get an autism diagnosis? Is that what you mean, or just generally? Well, yes and no. Like I was young, I was new to psychiatric and psychological services altogether. Right. Um, and it wasn't you know we didn't go to the doctor when I was growing up unless it was a really bad situation. Like yeah. broken bone bad. And so yeah, yeah. like it just wasn't anything that I was exposed to. And so just having the recognition that I had OCD or all these other things was already kind of like surreal. The cognitive dissonance mm. occurs just so hard, um, oh, especially yeah. the later you go. And so I was probably 25, 24, 25. And so I was mm. like, man, I've looked probably a quarter of my life not realizing that I'm different than other people. And how mm. did I not know that? And so you go through mm. that. Um, around that time, I had shifted from that first call center job into the field. Yep. And um, that was when I started making connections with autism. And mm. I'm like, you know what? I relate to these behaviors. I relate to, you know, what I do looks different, but it's serving the same need and it's yep. you know all these things and looking back as a child incredibly awkward and like all of these misunderstandings of social <laughs> communication and all of it became sure. more clear and you know i went to um a professional in the field who'd done this for years and i'm like hey you know and i kind of half joking because you never really know how people are going to take you saying hey i think i'm autistic or mm-hmm. you know whatever mm-hmm. um and it was just dismissed as no, you don't have autism, I would know. And I'm mm. like, okay, well, could you tell me why objectively? Mm-hmm. I, I would really love some answers here because yeah. I'm kind of questioning myself and it was met with, well, I've done this a while and I would know. Okay, so then I go mm. to my psychiatrist. I'm like, okay, well, this guy will know. Um, he'll be able to tell me really clear reasons why or why not. And so I go to him and like now... I know exactly what I would say in response to this guy. But mm-hmm. at the time, once again, I was young. I was new in the field. I was new to autism altogether. Yep. And um, I was basically expressing that, hey, you know, I see a lot of overlap with my clients. I communicate with them very well, but I don't communicate with the parents as great because mm-hmm. there's some sort of disconnect here. But I feel like I know what they're telling me. And I know that's not behavioral, but, you know. I think you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, Absolutely. Communication. Um, and so it was kind of met with, well, no, that can't be because you drove yourself to your appointment today. You can live independently mm. and you hold down a job. And now I look at that and I'm like, man, I have some words for you. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the time I was like, oh, okay. So then the distinction in my mind became okay, OCD means I can live independently. Autism means I can't. And so that's so harmful. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't until I started learning about ABA reform and ableism and allyship and all of that, that I started seeing that 
there were more people reporting similar experiences to me and mm. getting diagnosed and you know all of it just started to hit even more close um and i realized you know i'm hitting this point of awareness that working in office was like constant burnout for me socially and mm -hmm. sensory wise and all of these different expectations I needed to meet because um, I'm a rule follower 100% and precisely. Mm. Um, so all of these things were starting to make sense. And I said, you know what, I, I need to find somebody to kind of help me rationalize mm. whether I am or I'm not. And yeah. um, that was kind of where it ended up. And um, yeah, I could go on and on about that, but I'll just kind of leave it at that unless you have Yeah, yeah, questions. no. And I mean, I think that's, uh, that's, uh, because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about you know and and confusion I think around ableism. Um, oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's become basically, a, a, you know, in some ways, it's it you know I think it's become a um, maybe a, a little overused um, in some contexts. Mm -hmm. um, um, I, I, and I'm not saying that when when it's overused. When I say overused, I'm not saying that when people are saying folks are being ableist that they're wrong. But that are... I'm I'm more saying folks aren't always doing a good job explaining what they mean Why? when they tell someone they're ableist. You know, you're, you're that's yeah. very ableist of you, and you're like, I don't really know what that word means, and mm -hmm. everyone keeps telling or me I don't I'm know ableist. The yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, the example of, of well, you can only be autistic if you have an intellectual disability and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you, and you require support from others. You know, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's ableist because you're, you're, you're just, you're, 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 you're making the, you're making the assumption that it's, you know, that, it, that, that, it, you know, it can only fit in kind of one compartment. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's lots of different sort of versions, uh, forms of ableism. It certainly doesn't have to be autistic specific by any means. Right I, think, I think a lot of what we talk about when we talk about just inclusion in general and universal design and access and, you know, um, you know, I think those might be more easily grasped concepts for folks you know a, a building with with no ramps for someone in a wheelchair you know well, yeah. that building was designed by someone with an ableist perspective you know um Is there... you know, they weren't bad per they weren't a bad person they just were yeah. ignorant to sort of you know accessibility and and equity and inclusion and those sorts of things um so yes yeah so i think that's that's uh that's uh um, you know, again, it's something we, we could, we could do several episodes just on ableism yes. if, if, if we wanted to, um, I wanted to know about sort of, uh, um, this concept of a, of a novel researcher, like I've never heard of a novel researcher. Um, and so what, 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 With my what, own term, what, it is, but, but, but it, but it, uh, but, you know, looking at sort of the research you're doing, it's very novel. I mean, I, I don't have the, the list in front of me, but, you know, I saw, for example, I saw, you know, a few articles on tag teach, but then mm -hmm. specifically, you know, like articles related to like one, one was about sort of teaching Zumba, you know, <laughs> another one mm -hmm. was sort of about, uh, 
um, um, uh, and I laugh just because Zuba is a fun word to say. Um, um, <laughs> um, another one, you know, related to, uh, I think it was a poster presentation you did related to sort of a, a you know, a, 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 a sort of lecture um, wearing clothes that are related to the oh, costumes to, to, the top, yeah. to the topic that they're teaching Reverie. and how does that how does that affects test scores um and then you know i think you know the, the an article that's probably you know you know gotten you some more attention recently on on trump's behavior um, um and uh and was there an article on and i, I feel like I, I we we talked about this and 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 after the fact, I couldn't find the article anyway related to abusive behavior. I'm working on one like You're that. You're working on so, it. So, yeah, it's not it, up yet. It doesn't exist yet. That that makes a lot of sense. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I had the notes here and I was like, where is this article? I can't find it anywhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, around, and, uh, and you were talking about sort of the experience of late diagnosed autistic women and non-barring persons uh, precursor behavior to abusive behavior was something you're yes. working on. We'll get to that at the end because I like asking... Um, uh, folks kind of what they're working on right now um so why why are you a novel researcher um and uh how have you found it sort of to be sort of like what's sort of the acceptability of that from your peers and from you know from your workplace and whatnot because you know from from someone lo looking from the outside i'm not a researcher i know nothing about funding mm -hmm. i know nothing about all these things but it does seem to be when I see other people's sort of, you know, sort of, you know, research portfolios, they seem to be mostly focused on the same area, unless, of course, they're, you know, it, it's it, they're supervising, you know, master students, and then they're just doing sort of whatever topics the master students are doing. Yeah. But still, they tend to be the master students tend to be working on things that are somewhat related to sort of the area yeah. of expertise. But I, I yeah. you know, so 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 there's. Kind of why do that and what's the acceptability there but also then the sort of part b would be do you have an area of expertise yet <laughs> well you know there was a lot there so hopefully i address I it all yeah. <laughs> it's okay um so i am interested in a lot of things within aba and yeah. um this this could be the adhd coming forward here but sure. uh, you know I didn't realize how random my list sounded until you started listing topics. And I was like, oh, wow, I seem very scattered. <laughs> but they're all things that have been relevant questions that I've asked at yeah. the time or I've been interested in or whatever. So it's it's kind of cool because I feel like I look back and it's kind of like a journal, journal of my interests throughout yeah. um, my time as a researcher so far, which yeah. has been a few years now, which is weird to think about. Um, yeah. So I just call myself a novel researcher just because I don't want to put myself in a corner. I don't yeah. want to pigeonhole myself, so to speak. Yeah. And so it um, it's funny because I know some people associate me with like tech teach and dance studies. And yes. I would say that's probably the most known piece of literature that I have so far. Um, but I definitely have seen a lot more attention given to the Trump article. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that I'm pretty skilled at tech teach, but I don't know that anyone is ever an expert. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I think mm -hmm. that goes into our practice and humility where, you know, I learn from my students. 
I yeah. try to teach myself new things and new concepts and new applications. And yeah. I, I don't, whenever people call me an expert, I get really uncomfortable. Now, maybe that's mm. just because I don't do well with compliments um, just mm. generally. And I think that that's a very kind compliment, but mm-hmm. it also kind of discredits the work that we continue to need to do to evolve in our field. And so mm-hmm. why is this so important? Um, you know, we have a very generalizable science that we can use. And one thing that always kind of saddens me is that we don't always acknowledge that generality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I have a question about some random thing, well, how can I explain this behaviorally? How could I yeah. use an ABA lens and framework to kind of work through this? And if I can't, yeah. You know, that that's important to know as well. So knowing something is efficient is just as important as knowing something isn't efficient. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think ultimately that's why I kind of chase those topics that and I there's nothing wrong with researching within fields or areas within our field that are already very well documented because we need to yeah. continue to validate. But for me, I've just never had interest in doing that. I always kind of wanted to you know, not follow the norm. And yeah. um, that's just kind of where I ended up. No, Did that's cool. <laughs> no, you answered, you, you, you answered, I think you answered everything. Um, um, I think, I think, I don't know. There, there, I, there's probably another ism in here somewhere that sort of, that you know, the idea that, because I think there is an I think there is an a belief or an idea that academics need to need to have a focus area, uh, mm-hmm. and need to have a specialization. I, I I agree. I don't like the word expert either. I don't think there's anything. Um, anything yeah, like competency. Yeah, I don't think this has anything to do with you know your ability to take a compliment or not, and you you may have uh, you know struggles there, and that that's fine. But I think being called an expert can be a trigger word for anybody. Um, and I think for some people it's problematic um, too, because being called yeah. an expert sort of, um, you know, there, we, I think, you know, and I don't want to tangent too much, but I think we, we, we will end up doing that. Both of us having ADHD and, and, and easily get it easily seeing a squirrel in the conversation. But, oh, yeah. um, but, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but um, you know, I think there's a, there's a problem in our field with, um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of idolizing and celeb and celebritizing, mm-hmm. you know, Agreed. folks. Um, and I think that I think the first one of the first sort of steps towards becoming idol idolized or or celebritized is 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 is, is specializing in an area and being mm-hmm. called an expert because an expert yes. it, it reminds me of the conversations around. Um, uh, although uh, a different point, but around like allyship and and mm-hmm. the idea that um, you yeah. know essentially that you know and and I, and I I'm kind of a firm believer now in this from a lot of the conversations I've had that you know no one should be self-identifying as an ally um, to anything um, you know yeah. um, um, uh, that's that's the, that's the the responsibility or job of you know uh, if they want of of the the marginalized sort of, you know, yeah the marginalized group that you are apparently yep. supporting and and yeah. to Good actually point. you know to actually you know engage in you know let, let's say you know 
anti-ableist or anti-racist behaviors or whatever uh, for the purposes of being labeled an ally is problematic. Yeah. Come br- bringing it back it's performative. to performative. Exactly. And so bringing it back to the, the point that we're talking about, um, you know, doing work at, you know, with some goal of that eventually being called an expert is problematic. Yeah. Once you become an expert, I think, you know, and we could probably look at this, you know, we could probably do some, some, some analysis of this, but looking, becoming an expert, yes. I think will make folks less likely to, I think will make folks, if, if they really, if they really identify with that term, I think it's going to mm-hmm. make folks less likely to, you know, grow and learn and expand Agree. on what they already know, because, well, I'm an expert. It's I don't need to learn anything now. Yeah. I know everything now. I'm an expert. Because uh, yes. I think expert is equated with all, all knowing. Um, mm-hmm. that's how i see it yeah yeah so i'm I, very literal so i hate that term <laughs> yeah and so i so, think i think yeah. that that's that makes perfect sense that you'd hate that term and then and yes. you know and, and has nothing to do with sort of you know you know, and you know in in some ways you know although maybe it's intended to be a compliment mm-hmm. it's, it's not a helpful one um yeah you know Whereas well, and it highlights like, the know. issues in the field, like you were saying too. Yeah. With, because um, we do pigeonhole very badly on mm-hmm. certain topics and areas, and so it just mm-hmm. continues to perpetuate that. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Um. So, cause, cause some of the some of the things we we kind of talked about in uh, I, I think our conversation today will, will maybe much like your um, your. Uh, your research portfolio in, in that way. I think we, 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 we might go a lot of different directions. Uh, when we kind of had our pre-chat and we were coming up with some talking points, um, you know, I definitely wanted to touch on the Trump article because of, because it is what it is. And also I read it a few times and it's, yeah. and, 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 you know, and it, some of it's some of it's quite hilarious. So uh, you know, it, it, it just, particularly sort of the 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 uh, the uh, the data sources. Uh, that, that, that that was my favorite part of the whole article. Um, uh, time spent golfing. This <laughs> was just awesome. Um, <laughs> all publicly uh, but, uh, available, by the way. All that data. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I didn't yeah, make I, it I up. Like it's I know, out I there. Know. It was wonderful. <laughs> so we'll, I, I, we'll we'll kind of start by talking about the Trump article. But then I think it would it would be cool to kind of get into kind of come kind of circle back to kind of what we were, we've been talking about right now around um, um, you know um, uh, you know things we can do toward to work towards being more anti ableist um, uh, what teaching yeah. courses like in a neurodiverse affirming way could look like um, and again I think only a neurodiverse person can can you know, claim that, uh, you know, that what they're doing is neurodiverse yeah. affirming. Um, and even still, you know, it may not be for everyone. Room to grow. Like, yeah. 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 Um, 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 and, you know, kind of, kind of some of the red flags for ABA and those sorts of things just from, from your perspective. Because yeah. I think I think these are all topics that have been. Everyone should be aware Everyone should be aware, but they've also been hotly debated for quite a while now, and it's yeah. and, uh, bet- between sort of the professional and the autistic community, or certain members mm-hmm. of the autistic community, I should say, um, and the the defensive sort of 
piece from the sort of the professional, from the folks from sort of maybe more neurotypical folks from our field, you know, has been, you know, uh, well, you're, you're either, you're not in the field or you've mm-hmm. got no research to support this or those sorts of things. And so yeah. I, I really want to have, yeah, exactly. And so I really want to have more conversations with folks like yourself who are, you know, both autistic and ABA researchers, which there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of you out no. there. Um, that's why I'm uh, fighting. You know, and that's, a, that's another big issue. And, and so I think I'm hoping that, you know, the, the, that, you know, when this podcast is released, it can hopefully also provide, you know, a model and some motivation for maybe, you know, uh, young autistic, uh, you know, uh, uh, folks who are in the field uh, that they're, that, that, you know, that they can do research and they can, hopefully. Um, you know, you know, contribute. Um, but let's let let's go back to Trump for a bit. So, the all right. <laughs> the, the, the the article. Uh, um, what was the title of the article? I kind of had I had it here, um, but I think I lost the front behavior page. Behavior analytic perspective on the public behavior of Donald Trump. I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I could summarize that incorrectly, but it's no, no. That that, that was it. There. Yeah, that, 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 that was it. Um, and um, um, first off, you kind of already answered it in some way when you're explaining kind of your the, the sort of uh, your perspective as, as a novel researcher. Okay. Why did you write this article? You know, I ask myself that every single day that I analyze <laughs> all the tweets that I had to analyze every single day. So yeah. why did I do this? Um Ultimately, I I remember seeing a lot of behavior that I hadn't seen previously from, based on political affiliation. And so this was mm. a little more of an extreme version of some behavior, definitely more polarizing between our two main parties in America. And mm-hmm. um, it was just very interesting to me because I was like, where did some of this behavior and loyalty and like all of this to certain individuals come from? And what mm. is there a behavioral explanation for it? And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look through our literature, you know, there are a few articles that kind of address on like bill passage and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But um, those are generally on like reinforcement schedules and yes. not necessarily on like the big social issues and public policy and change mm-hmm. and how we may elect people. And um that's kind of where I started with the whole thing because I was like, you know, something is happening that's rewarding here. And I want to know how that behavior is continuing to be strengthened because I want to understand it. Um, so yeah, that was kind of where that whole thing started. And my Mm. thought was, you know, how can we do this in a way that is observable? Um, but you get what the public gets. And so that was kind of the challenge because when we talk Mm. about, functions of behavior we don't usually look at people who we don't interact with daily so um it was a big challenge but the data were there so exactly it just looks different and that was a challenge for a lot of people when i first kind of started conceptualizing this and then trying to get it published and there was a lot of resistance on that would i want would you mind i mean i i obviously i don't want you to sort of you know Lay all out, implicate, <laughs> implicate other journals or whatever, but no. Why? Why? What? What, what was? The, what were some of those barriers? Like, what? Why did you have? Because, because this. So this article was published in um, 
in uh, in uh, in, in the, the the seven seven dimensions journal seven dimensions uh, yes uh, uh, from uh, from the 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 wind press which is uh, a, a wonderful uh, people others, there Shane, Shane yes. Spiker and and others mm-hmm. um, who have put this together and uh, I, I love I love that, he, that he's created journal. this journal I also love the one and I don't know if it's the same journal or if it was sort of an addition to the journal where he wanted to where he was publishing the the, the null the null hypotheses yep. mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know articles that yes. um, you know can be really valuable because we do know that a lot of journals won't publish those and and there's yeah. some really you know amazing information that can you know mm-hmm. you know what we learn from those sort of things. Yeah, exactly. exactly exactly and I, why would i want to do something that isn't going to work it wastes everybody's mm-hmm. time so yeah exactly. completely yeah, agree yeah so very valid and free accessible yeah, and free yeah 100 percent um uh and so i guess a, sort of a two-part question why okay. do you think it was so difficult to get this published and then two have you had that experience with some of the other novel research you've done? Has that also been difficult to get published? Yeah, those are really good questions. Um, and I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget them. Hmm. <laughs> Why it was difficult, I, I think that that's multidimensional, right? I think hmm. that there are a lot of reasons associated with that. Um, as far as what was expressed to me directly, um, mm-hmm. There was just a lot of like, oh, we don't touch anything related to politics. Oh, we don't want to go there. Um, we don't want to have anything, you know, that favors one perspective over the other in that regard, um, which I get like politics are kind of like one of those things you don't supposed to talk about yeah. politics. And yeah. I understand that. But, um, you know, we have to figure out a way to make these very uncomfortable topics objective and Mm -hmm. that is what we tried to do with this article um Mm -hmm. as much as possible and so you know that's just it and my whole um correspondence was hey if i need to make this more objective and you have ideas on how i can do that please tell me because i definitely want Mm -hmm. to learn from this Mm -hmm. experience because if i want to grow this area of research like i'm Mm going to need to know how to do it better and you know i want that um but you know, I want to say half of the journals I sent the manuscript to just flat out said no auto reject. Well, it looks like it's written really well, but we're going to say no just because of what it is. And then the other half would go to peer review and inevitably I would have one reviewer say, we shouldn't be publishing this. This is not okay. And so when I found Shane Spiker and the fabulous people at Seven Dimensions, I was like, I was so exhausted. I thought this was going to go to the graveyard to die um, mm-hmm. manuscript. And um, he was like, no, we'd love to read it. I'm like, well, okay, let's send it <laughs> over. And, <laughs> and sure enough, he's like, yeah, we want to publish this. This is, this really is cool. cool. Yeah. So it was interesting that I got such a different perspective out of them than I did mm-hmm. with everybody else. And that yes. with other research i i found kind of similar experiences now it's not as prominent um with tag teams it seems because i'm getting yeah definitely more um feedback on that but um Mm. when i first started trying to publish a few years ago tag teach was still not quite 
I feel like there's more awareness, maybe it's just because I'm immersed in it, but um, mm. some students that I get now at least have heard of it and they kind of have an idea. Whereas before when I was teaching, nobody had a clue. They're like, I didn't right. even know this was ABA. I thought this was, yeah. you know, something completely different. So yeah. I, I feel like there's more exposure that's not measured or objective or research founded. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, what I ended up having to do for my... Um, my dance study, the first one, I had to go to a dance journal um, mm. for my comps project, which I used kind of a um, oh a modified stimulants equivalence procedure to kind of teach yep. language and perform stimuli with a learner who has severe visual impairments. Um, mm -hmm. I went to a visual impairment journal because mm. it wasn't a full-on stimulus equivalent study, so no one would look at it. And so I had to go over to the visual impairment and blindness journal. And, um, you know, so I feel like recently it's improved, but I, it's interesting because you don't know what mm -hmm. the response is going to be. It's either going to be, mm -hmm. yeah, this is unique and different. Are you a BCBA supervisor looking to streamline your practice? Or maybe you're working towards your BCBA and need to find the right supervisor. Whomhouse offers tools that make supervision so much more enjoyable for both supervisor and supervisee. For supervisors, they offer easy meeting documentation, competency tracking, monthly verification forms, a built-in supervision curriculum, and so much more. For supervisees, Whomhouse has a fieldwork tracker with built-in auditing, monthly verification forms, a curriculum, quizzes, and more. If you're looking for a supervisor, they even have a supervision marketplace where you can connect with BCBAs until you find your perfect match, kind of like professional dating. For more information, go to whomhouse.com forward slash speak or search whomhouse on Google. If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, You'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is novel. Or it can be, um, yeah, this is not something we're really skilled in, so we're going to say no. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, which is also a problem because you need to have people on your editorial boards that can look at different types of research. And when we pigeonhole mm -hmm. once again and become experts, mm -hmm. you know, that might be problematic for trying to mm -hmm. pursue new ideas. Yeah. Maybe that's you know, just my I, perspective. hundred <laughs> percent. No. And I think um, it all makes sense. I think, just the, the 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 sort of one one of the last comments you made about you know things are imp starting to improve. I think, I think there's another way to look at this. Um, that's that that I don't think it needs to improve. Um, okay. uh, I I I remember I've I've heard uh, Pat Fryman in particular has has commented several times uh, in presentations he's done around, you know, around the importance of, you know, as, as much as she's, as, and he says, as much as I, I, I love JABA, our flagship journal. In here. The only people reading JABA are behavior analysts, right? Yes, um, 100%. And so in terms of disseminating ABA to the wider world, 
we need to publish in other journals that aren't in our field. Yes. And, and he does a lot of that. Um, so I love that you, you published in a dance journal. I think that's, I think that's improving. I think trying to get an article like this in Jabba is not a goal anyone needs to have. I mean, that's um, a good point. Uh, you know, and, and so part of, so the, so the other question I was wondering was, did you at any time try to publish the Trump article in a political journal? Yes. And yes, I did. Same, same issues? It, the problem was it was too theoretical. They wanted mm. real um, yeah. modification or, you know, it was either, you know, kind of stay very much in theory or go mm. full on research. And I yeah. was kind of somewhere in the middle for them, I think. Um so yeah. yeah, that was kind of where that was met, but I definitely did try because yeah. my um, my research chair all throughout my doctorate was amazing. Um, she took on, you know, a task of learning about all these new things I wanted to study that she was not necessarily skilled in, mm. um, but she went out of her way, out of her comfort zone and like learned some new stuff. And now she's so glad that she did all this because I hear from her occasionally on it. And who was that? Um, um, Dr. Annette Griffith with the Chicago mm. School, wonderful, cool. wonderful chair. Um, but she had told me early on, you're probably going to do a much more efficient job of publishing if you don't stick with behavior analytic journals. And, yes. you know, that was the first advice I was given. And so generally I will pursue those other options first now. And mm -hmm. I, I hate to say that because I love my field. I love, obviously it's one of my interests, but... Mm -hmm. um, you know, I completely agree with the position that you just presented on how mm. we need to be disseminating. Otherwise, we're just in an echo chamber and a sounding board for similar minded folk. And um, yeah, it, it really kind of defeats the purpose of why aren't we acting to save the world, according to Skinner? Yeah, well, and there's sort of two things there. One, one is, yep. I think... I just got to write it down because I'm going to forget what the second one is. Uh, one, one is, um, is, um, you know, I think the research that you're doing, maybe the Trump article, it would, it would be, wouldn't fall into this, but I think some of the other research you're doing, I don't think it's as important to, for behavior analysts. Like I think the dance well, folk need to know about tag teaching for dance, yeah. you know? the you know, or for Zumba or for whatnot um um and 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 certainly as you as you start to you know public publish other articles i mean this this one that we're going to be talking about at the end that the project you're working on right now again that that you know uh, that doesn't seem to be like one that needs to needs to go into a, a behavior analytic journal that needs to go into something yeah. you know more autism focused or or um Ever. or or you know or or you know, like a, like a feminist journals or those sorts of things, Seriously. you know, where, where, where the folks, you know, who, 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 who you're the subjects of those studies are, 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 are able to sort of get that information. So, you know, I think yeah. I, 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 I love this piece. The second thing is, you know, so say you don't get to publish your article in Java. The assumption therefore is that behavior analysts aren't going to see the article. Um, yeah. because behavior analysts are only reading behavior analytic journals, but that's a problem. Which is also an issue. Yeah, exactly. Right. If that's you were going to say it, I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a big so, problem. You know, so like, 
the the fact that you know in order to do this interview i had to go read a dance journal you know oh. is really mm-hmm. good for me to sort of go outside yeah. of the box a bit um and start reading from other journals there's no reason why i can't you know i i know Dr. Fryman publishes in journal like Pediatrics quite a bit, you know. There's no reason mm-hmm. why I can't go to Pediatrics beyond, 100%. you know, beyond the fact that, again, and again, this is a bit of a, you know, and I don't know what the, the ism here is, but um, this goes to back to sort of like the BACB, you know, yeah. has now given access to sort of eight or nine journals for free now, which is wonderful, Isn't but it? they're all behavior anal- analytic journals, so there's still going to yes. be paywalls and issues to kind of access some of this other work, but, um, yeah. And that's how we kind of got into this position of, uh, you know, the autistic community criticism and disability community criticism as well, because we became our own echo chamber. And I truly think that we've gatekept. I think that we continue to gatekeep in some ways, as far as what we're publishing, who is publishing, um, yeah. yeah, and I, you know, I don't want to make any enemies here, so I try. No, no, and we're not going to name names, but I think a lot of no. the issues <laughs> that are that are happening right now are are, are the result of our own partially doing. because of gatekeeping and partially because yeah. we agree, you know, and maybe this is part of gatekeeping, but because we spend we spend too much time trying to protect our own too, and yes. and so if our own, which is good. But which can be good, but if our own yeah. is doing things that maybe are Valid problematic, we, we, we overlook some of that stuff because, yes. well, they're still a BCBAD and so they've got to be, you know, they can't make too many mistakes or whatever. Um, yeah, we're seeing, you know, this, for example, we're seeing this in, in you know, in, in, in what's, you know. It's so this is so public right now. We're not going to be um, you know, getting anyone anyone into trouble, but you know the the whole electric shock sort of discussion. That's oh gosh, right yes. Now in our field, I know. Of, you know, ABBA and the current state that just came out. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, we only want know, feedback from our members. Yeah, we only want feedback from our members, and and I'm a member, but oh, okay, it's great. Really you can send feedback. <laughs> It's it really is. hard, well, and I did, I did submit my feedback. Yeah, exactly. I did submit my feedback, yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, it was you. really hard to get to become a full member, a full voting okay. member. Like, yep. like it wasn't, just a, oh, it wasn't yeah. just a matter of paying them an exorbitant amount of money, which you have to pay. But which also, is privilege-based, yeah. And yeah, classist. but also this long, long, like, I, not, having a master's degree and, and a BCBA does not get you in as a full member nope. of, of ABAI. Sure don't. And that's problematic. Um, and, and, yes. and the stuff that I had to write on my form, you know, which I don't know if it was all completely accurate. Sorry, Abba. Um, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I did get in. Uh, like, I wasn't a lie, but I didn't lie about anything. Yeah. But it was a very, of course. It was a very, you know, very intense. You, you, mu- you must be an academic researcher, essentially, um, or mm-hmm. have a whole lot of training in that area to be a member. That's redonkulous yeah. um, for, for the is. fact that most of our field are, are, are practitioners, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and may not, not be aware not academics. <laughs> and may not be aware and, and, and therefore didn't become a member. There's a lot of systemic a lot barriers of problems. In, in, in ABAI. Um, uh, you know, there's some, Thank you. there's some positives too, but um, there are, um, and, you know, and, and that's why I'm still a member. And certainly mm-hmm. I know there's, you know, and I'm, we're like, I'm digressing a bit, but I know there's been a lot of move, a, okay. a big move for folks, folks to sort of 
um, um, <clears throat> divest and, 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 and stop renewing their memberships and kind of boycott, as it were. Yeah. I struggle with that position. Um, I get I it. Too. I totally understand it. But I struggle with it because if I don't stay a member, I can't vote. Um, yeah, and, I completely and I understand. Vote against, you know. Yes. But then the other comment is, well, who cares if you vote against? Let's just join something different. That's you know that that's you know better, like APBS or or, or yeah. you know or WIBA or BABA or or whatever. Um, um, we which, may see a again, division or... in the field, honestly, because yeah. the crossroads <laughs> that you're describing is what everybody who's aware of that dilemma and who is against contingent shock and all of yeah. that we keep saying and so i i feel like our field is going to hit this point where it's going to yep. be this group or that group which one are you with yeah and that yep. that's going to define who you are as practitioner unfortunately yeah yeah there's it's yeah, really it a left and right -like. kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it gets, it's true it becomes really, cult like everything in our field yes. can easily become cult like and so yes. we have to really be careful to avoid that dynamic, that sort of echo chamber, like selecting your audience members to affirm your own stances and bias. Like it's just so yeah. important to make sure that we're mindful of that. And part of that goes back to the making sure that we're using research, not just in ABA journals, but mm -hmm. other journals and collaborating with other yeah, yeah. practitioners and educators. Yeah. Very important. Yeah, totally. Okay. So this article, this Trump article, um, Back to Trump. <laughs> it was a. It was a. I'm not a. I'm not much of a. I don't know. I'm not an academic, and I'm not. Uh, you know. Uh, there, there was a, there was a lot of conceptual stuff in here that, that really, you know. Yeah. What, what was was hard on my brain and and that's fine i mean that's that's me i'm, Mine I'm too. Sure lots of people <laughs> yeah, lots of people got stuff out of it uh, as far as the data analysis and stuff and so i'm, I'm not really mm -hmm. going to get into that too much um but first off i just want to talk about you know so th this was you know the, the article is on on the public behavior of donald trump and i think that's an important phrase because right near near the end of the article uh, I think in, in in the discussion when you're talking about the limitations, in here. you talked about how uh, DT. So DT is 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 the it's phrase used throughout the article DT. To, re yeah. to reference <laughs> re reference the man. And it says DT was not available to participate in the study. So <laughs> my first question yeah. is, did you actually ask him, or try I mean, to ask someone in, in the admin in the administration to to sort of you know. Do you want to participate I, in this study? Because I like the he was not available phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I did send an email, but you know how it is with like public sure. people. It probably doesn't even go to the person who's connected to right. the person, connected to the person, Absolutely. connected to the person. Yeah. yeah. Um, can exception. Um, yeah. So yeah, I did send something. I was just like, hey, I'm going to probably do some research here. If, you know, anybody needs to reach out to me about this, I'd yeah. be glad to hear about it. It was just a very yeah. broad... Uh, but no, that is also kind of partly um, just to kind of clarify that I don't see him every single day. Um, mm -hmm. And this was not something that I did with direct observation necessarily mm -hmm. on what he's doing mm -hmm. moment by moment, but direct mm -hmm. observation relating to Twitter and mm -hmm. Rasmussen mm -hmm. poll results and mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Once again, no, I was just curious. Available. I was curious. <laughs> and, and the broad email out there was all I was curious if you actually sent one. Um, and and oh, he yeah. did, so that's awesome. He well, was not available. He did not respond. 
He did don't even comment. know if went to the right spot. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Who knows? And, and is there a right spot? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, maybe, maybe now that Truth Social is now available on Google Play, there you can is. find the right spot through there. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, what the heck? Um, that will not be in the show notes, that link, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, <laughs> so, the, so reading the first, you know, sort of the first bit of it, um, uh, I, I loved the the public data that was available. So there's data data on approval ratings, and that's that Rasmussen poll you're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. Is that just a Rasmussen? Is that just sort of a standard kind of like a yeah. Gallup poll or any other kind of poll? Basically, just... it's considered to be a really good one to use. I guess there are several mm-hmm. different ones that are available, but Rasmussen is right. the most widely used, recognized. Okay. I guess um, so. I took that into consideration when. Figuring out which avenue we're going to use. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there was on, on approval ratings. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that makes sense. So you're kind of looking at sort of, yeah. you know, kind of that indirect. Do people like you? Of, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Did, did, in a way, you know, you know, using those approval ratings as sort as sort of a, you know, sort of a. Attention or escape, more or less. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, sort of a, the the consequence of his behavior is measured yes. in those could be measured by those approval ratings. Was sort of the, the attempt here. Um, mm-hmm. The tweeting behavior that made a lot of sense. I mean, that is really yeah. That's that's sort of the 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 only access, the only public access folks have to sort of you know his actual words and his you know what would be sort of. If, there... if there is such a thing, DT's authentic self was coming out yeah. in, in, in tweets. So that's great. So that's sort of getting his behavior and approval ratings are getting the response. But there... the other two were just, just, just big, big grin on my face when I read these. So the other two, the other two variables, time spent on Trump vacation properties. Love it. And the best one of all, time spent golfing. Um, yeah. I thought, yeah. <laughs> Well, to the skate, These right? are awesome, awesome sources of data yeah. for anything. Um, and th- that this alone makes this study so cool. <laughs> well, good. I'm um, glad. I'm curious why the why those two? Why the the the, the, the approval ratings and the tweeting behavior make sense? Is it just because there was data on those things? Well, what I actually started to see on the pattern as the data were being collected was that. Um, more time was being spent at the properties and then more time was reported golfing. And so I can consider that more or less an escape type contingency because we're not having to do as much work. So all of it kind of overlaid into this model where you not only interpret, you know, how is the public perceiving you with the approval ratings? um, How are you responding to your job? Are you running away? Are you staying in office? Like, are you spending more time in the office because there's a lot happening? Or, you know, and then overlapping that with the tweeting behavior, which were all divided out by kind of functional categories. Um, So all of it kind of goes together and that it's really hard to synthesize. But at the same time, when you do it, you can kind of get a big picture of, okay, well, maybe this could be a possible function. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can totally see like sort of a hypothesis that, you know, one is going to, or sort of a even a correlation of some sort, that one is going to engage mm-hmm. in less tweeting behavior because he's at Mar-a-Lago or on the golf course. Yeah. Um, um, although there, I think there were from time to time golf tweets and, and yes, uh, you there know, were. I'm, I'm, but those I'm golfing were not, with Putin right now. 
Yeah, I don't think there were any direct, like, golfing. There were golfing tweets, but I don't think any of them were qualified to be in the categories. They just counted for one of the tweets yeah, of the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the categories exactly. didn't go into golf yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and so kind of getting a, a little bit into the sort of the behavior analytics side of things. Um, I know you talked about needing some sort of uh, when you're kind of trying to con- conceptualize all this and break it all down. Yeah. You talked about how one needs to have sort of, you know, something to base that on. And mm-hmm. you throughout the paper, you reference, uh, is it Goltz? Goltz, yeah, and Goltz, two thousand three, yeah. two thousand and three, and so, what did he do? Like just briefly, yeah. that sort of you know, informed this study. So this, this was really really hard to conceptualize. I I remember mm-hmm. going back and I was like, I know what I want to say, I just don't know how I'm going to get to the point where I say it. <laughs> um, hmm. But that's what I think research does, right? It tries to answer hmm. the what ifs and the in betweens. Um, but you know, not knowing what the, obviously the results would be, of course, because that's mm. not great. Um, but I, I'm trying to think back. So the gold study wasn't connected to like political behavior as we would normally pair with that relational frame of politics and democracy right. or whatever. Um, this right. would be connected to political behavior within a workplace organization. And so it was very easy to kind of draw parallels with that study. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that was kind of the first of its kind, too, it seemed. And so um, and I couldn't find anything as far as replication and stuff like that following it. But I thought there was just a really good comparison of possible function of behavior with large scale organizations and Mm -hmm. how that influences political standing for somebody who's in charge or manages or speaks for on behalf of others. So yeah, that was kind of where that parallel came from, but it's not a direct connection to what I was kind of trying to get at, but um, close enough that I could get a framework going. Kind of the only thing that was out there for you to sort of build on. Yeah, basically. Uh, (laughs) Because like you said, the only other research seems to be, you know, from the, behavioral economics folks mm-hmm. kind of on uh, yes. the, 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 the bills and the, you know, and all, all that kind of stuff, which was not, not what you were doing at all. So yeah. you really couldn't kind of use, use, use what they were using. And so, so Goltz, I guess the, 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 the piece that you, 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 you were kind of drawing on was Goltz had these, these categories mm-hmm. and you kind of use the similar categories to sort of yes. separate all these all these behaviors into into these different into these different functions and i gotta say i'm not gonna actually maybe maybe i can find a yeah i will i will uh i have to read a couple of these because this is other awesome awesome piece i was reading these to my wife last night and just getting a good giggle out of it uh was the the objective definitions of tweet categories that you put together oh those were rough to make They were awesome, though. Um, but they were difficult. Know, so th- I'm glad they turned I out bet. okay, I, though. I bet, yeah. You know, things like there were some things like that were sort of you know obvious, like media comment, and that fell yeah. into sort of you know 
we all so know the 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 DT. Um, and I'm going to call him DT for the rest of my life now. But the DT, <laughs> you're um, welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. The um, DT has, uh, you know, and and, and you, so you, you you break it down into kind of category definition, kind of some Don't keywords. And the obvious keywords yes. related to media comments are things like fake news and that's false and not what. Um, you know, the accusatory victimization one, I like that, like witch hunts and stuff. But yeah, then, I, then there was other fun ones like um, uh, border change uh, <laughs> involves statements directly involved to border patrolling, immigration, building borders, um, and then and then the keywords like wall, form of border, access, border yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, access to a wall, uh, <laughs> guns, yeah, for sure. Sport talk was a great one. Um, oh gosh, there was so much sport guns. talk. And I'm ironically no not a sporty person because even though I do dance research, I am not myself yeah. a great skilled athlete in any capacity. Totally. So sport talk, that was rough. There was a lot. Involves the use of language generally associated with competitive activities such as sports or games, which again, you don't, besides golf, you don't ever imagine Trump doing any sports either, but um, can include oh, but referencing did. individuals <laughs> have who have succeeded at winning a game or, and so on. And so winning, champion, loser. Uh -huh. He's used loser a lot. Winner, victory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a thoughts and prayers category. That's yes. awesome. Um, <laughs> well, that was used uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, of course, the uh, the LGBTQIA women policy. You're very, you're very, um, 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 you know, avoidant of, of sort of any negative terms in this one, even though it's entirely... Full of negative terms. Involves statements regarding privileges and whites for members of these groups. Uh, that was cool. Name calling. That was that was a great the one. Name calling. I yes, loved, I forgot that one. <laughs> loved the example of horseface, idiot. Yeah. And of course, all the all the all the racist terms in between that you oh, gosh, yes. didn't list. But, but so funny no. that you have. I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thir thirteen of these. You know. Grouped up into different four categories. Difficult behavior categories, and then one at the very bottom, wholesome. So wholesome, every now yeah. and then he said something nice, like "Happy birthday" um, to yeah, exactly, you know, exactly his vice president yeah. or whatever. Yeah, then yeah. those would count under wholesome. Yeah. Well, I, I want to give all credit. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Like yeah, I want to give credit for the good. Um, yeah, there was just a lot of a lot of things happening, so there was yeah, a lot of different possibilities. Well, I could certainly see if DT were to have you know consented to be a part of this study, you know, he would have had a lot of problems with the fact that there was only one wholesome line and yeah. and thirteen well, <laughs> of these other I mean, ones. Self promotion probably could have been okay because it would just be like, hey, catch me on CNN, I'm gonna be interviewed. Like that would be okay. Yeah, that's true. That's but, true. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it could also yeah, be yeah. kind of a brag. It depends. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. Just, 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 just wonderful. Um, and so I wonder if you might be able to sort of describe what those kind of four function categories were. The second secret word is spiker. Sure. I just kind of have to pull back. So we're gonna pull it yeah, back sure, out so course, that I can yeah, no, no, no. kind of re-reference it. It's been a minute, and once you publish Absolutely. an article, you don't always kind of. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't expect articles. guests to have this stuff by memory. No. Um, well, and I also should give a disclaimer. When I looked at the published article, the graphs were not aligned correctly. 
Um, mm. And that could have just been an oversight. So the functional graphs um, are actually included on my research gate as an additional document. Mm. So uh, you okay. get all of the data if you go to the research gate profile and access um, my stuff there. So I just thought I should mention that. Um, but Great. you have I'll, I'll link to that. So yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, so yeah, the categories that we kind of broke down all the different tweets into were direct access, which was just correlated with an access function, typically. So improved ratings, um, the wall, um, mm. indirect access was another, and that it's kind of confusing because it says indirect access, but it was kind of serving an attention function. So the categories mm. that we used were kind of like wholesome thoughts and prayers, um, mm. advertising and promoting their interviews uh, within the sure. family, um, direct modifying, which could be seen as a form of escape or attention um, or some sort of synthesized functional category. So that could relate to um, policies mm. with marginalized groups. So LGBTQIA mm. plus women, um, guns, gun policies, um, and then indirect modifying, which could be correlated with the traditional function of escape. So basically mm. media comments, deflection, um, accusatory victimization comments, not otherwise specified in OS. Um, so mm. yeah. It, it kind of um, goes into your standard functions, but loosely modeled off of the Gold's um, design and kind of how those right. functions could be used at large-scale levels. Gotcha. And so what was sort of, you know, in briefly anyway, in kind of high level, what, what was kind of the end result of all this, this whole study? Oh, gosh. So there were a lot of possibilities with environmental factors. Um, mm. You know, as we kind of look at the tweeting behavior, I think that that tells the most compelling information and gives you the most mm -hmm. interesting data. Um, we saw escape tweets in the category increased the most. Yep. And so um, deflection, blame, um, especially for mm -hmm. opposing party, um, that one really seemed to increase a little bit, um, even mm -hmm blaming former administration and stuff like that um right. we saw those go up and we interestingly saw attention go down quite a bit and so a lot of people will kind of be like oh he seems like an attention seeker and like actually let me tell right. you about my data but <laughs> it's um kind of the opposite of that it seemed like toward the end now i keep in mind i only targeted the first two years because my mm. research team who were involved on this study which Thank you to all of them because I know this was a huge undertaking. Um, so with all of them, I, I didn't want to put more on anybody doing IOA. <laughs> and two years was so much. Um, mm -hmm. So this is only the first two years in public office. And around yeah. that two-year mark was when I started trying to get it pushed into publication because I'm like, hey, election year's coming. I don't know if this matters to anybody but me, but here's some data. Um, and so it yeah. took that long to get somebody wow. to look at it. Um, I, I didn't exhaust it though, but yeah, it's basically kind of looking at that and then, um, you know, how time off was spent and how it kind of increased over time or right. time spent at Trump properties, which could be a conflict of interest um, based on, you know, your own political gain or access. So yeah, um, there are just a lot of different things. And I think that we kind of go into different possibilities of all of that, but it, you know, we try not to say, hey, 
the function of Donald Trump's behavior is this, because we don't know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we couldn't mm -hmm. possibly know that. The only thing we have mm -hmm. to go by is what he shows us or what we are mm -hmm. entitled to access. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we were at. And of course, you know, talking about how can we further shape studies like this? How could we do something yes. else? Um, is this even worth looking at? Um, so yeah, I think that's ultimately the end goal. There was, there was one piece that kind of stood out for me and, and I saw maybe some potential you know in in maybe in in kind of for, for for like future research and just things to kind of look at and that was and and especially as we talk about kind of um you know um things like the the aba sort of abuse debate and whatnot online uh, which is a, pardon me you can sit in a sit is that where you're going no i, oh, okay. I, I sorry what's what, <laughs> sorry. what's that word consent and assent Oh, consent and assent. Yeah, no, there's there's that, but more, but the the uh, and actually, I'd, I'd like to hear what you, what you're thinking there. Um, I, I was thinking about the the the, the area where you you talk about power, um, uh -huh. um, and uh, and and just uh, you know, I think it was more. This is more kind of in the in the in sort of the lit review in the beginning, but there was the, the, there was a phrase that more recently power has been connected with social media status. Especially right. with the rise of the social of social media platform use among political figures, figures, and exposure to new demographics of voters, exposure to voters, uh, and so on, it's sort of pushing past the political stuff there. Um, just the concept of uh, there, 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 the 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 sort of power in social media piece just really kind of got me thinking about some of the, you know. The, the the loud voices on yeah. social media uh and how you know and we see this whether it's in you know a big discussion like you know aba is abuse or mm -hmm. your local community message board where oh gosh um where you know <laughs> next door like, I, I live yeah. exactly like i, I live on um <laughs> I live on a on a on a you know an island population fifteen hundred, um, and uh, sounds great actually. <laughs> it's heaven. It's heaven. No one there. But we have a message board, and uh, and we have we have a message board and we have a venting board. Uh, uh, uh -huh. the, you know, and the message board is intended for a sort of simplistic community messages. You know, like uh, you know the post office is closed today, or you yeah. know, you know here's what's going on at the park. The venting board is, is essentially the place, and, and there's lots of places that have these venting boards where no holds barred, say whatever you want. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, keyboard courage at, at, at its finest. Yeah. Um, and during the, the, uh, sort of during the pandemic um, uh, and later on the, uh, the whole, which was particularly kind of started in Canada, I think it moved into the States eventually, the whole truck convoy sort of story um uh you know and 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 proud boys and sort of all that connection um yeah um there was like three or four folks you know that were you know just dominating the conversation on social media um yep. you know one guy in particular uh, on our island who i have not seen on social media since the convoy ended he has vanished entirely yeah. from his social media presence as many of them have um, mm -hmm. but just sort of the, and I don't really know where I'm going with this, but sort of just the, the, the sort of presumed sort of 
expertise and, and power that these folks have sort of over, you know, attitudes of so many more people when it's just three or four people talking on social media over and yes. over and over again in the abuse conversation. Maybe it's like 30 people talking over and over again, but 30 people uh-huh. is still nothing is a drop in the hat for, you know, the population of, you know, you know, probably a billion autistic people on the planet. Yeah. Um, 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 and yet there's just so much, there just seemed to be so much power in these posts. Yes. Um, um, not really a question there, but I just, I, I, I see. <laughs> but it's a good thought. I see, but I see thought. sort of the, the analysis of, of, I guess what I'm getting at is I, 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 it would be interesting to see more studies on the analysis of social media posts and social mm-hmm. media behavior um, and, and the functions of those. And, um, and, and particularly sort of the, you know, the, the motivating operations kind of behind those and, and yes. sort of comparing Agreed. social media behavior to public behavior and stuff. I mean, I think, I think that's where I think, you know, some of the, some of the stuff in this article could definitely be applied across, you know, kind of, kind of other contexts. Yeah. It's very funny you mentioned that because I kind of started the like work for doing something like that, where it was like, okay, so if I'm exposed to rhetoric that seems liberal, for instance, would I be more or less inclined to become more liberal or would I become less liberal? And um, the thing is, I'm not skilled in RFT um, research. And so I would really need to collaborate Mm. is what I learned. I'm like, man, I'm in over my head. I really need somebody who... Hey, yeah. <laughs> need to work that on makes that. sense. That the, and the RFT the piece, yeah, and the RFT piece make, piece makes a lot of sense because it, then I start to think about sort of, um, well, you know, like Rocco's study and um, yes, and uh, and the an earlier episode I did uh, with the uh, Victoria Suarez, uh, both kind of RFT esque sort of or not RFT mm-hmm. RFT based kind of studies where they were looking at, they were using you know kind of tests of bias bias to sort of. And, and comparing, uh-huh. you know, sort of scores before and after sort of these interventions. And I wonder, you know, if you could create a sort of a test that, you know, measures your, you know, political leanings kind of before uh-huh. and after They're watching, reading, you know, a sheet of posts, right, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, and, and and see how that effect goes. So, the, yeah, I think some of that stuff could be really cool. Yep, um, agree. Because, Cause, yeah, because social media is just obviously has so much power over our our, our behavior and um, yes. definitely, you know, our realm to, to, to dig deep into that. Agree. Yeah, interesting. It's a whole All right, let's Totally. Let's uh, let's let's push DT aside. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I, th- I think the less press we give to that guy, the better. Um, so uh, I would let, agree. Let, let's have <laughs> let's have other topics that we could talk about today. Um thinking about just uh you know in general as a as a you know as a, an, an aba researcher who's you know yeah. um and autistic and obviously neurodivergent and um and uh you know presumably anti-ableist um try um, to be <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i definitely get the sense um um what are kind of well, first, first off, I'm curious, kind of how you, if if you do anything different when you're in in your teaching in the in the university oh, yeah. or around that, and, and what does I'm that sure. look like? I'm sure, I'm sure I do very different things. Um, like anything, maybe intentionally, I guess, might be more the yes. question. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, when it comes down to teaching, I, I'm i in a really good position at SAGE, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. work with all of the first semester students. And so whereas some people would say, oh, man, I bet that's really rough because they haven't mm -hmm. been through their coursework yet, and you, know, you have to shape all those behavior analytic behaviors, and mm -hmm. um, the framework of behaviorism just in general. Um, mm -hmm. I see that as a really good opportunity to create a culture. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, right from the get-go, I'm kind of modeling neurodiversity-affirming frameworks and mm -hmm. teaching, you know, the client comes first. You need to always put the client first. Um, teach them how to self-advocate and be autonomous if they are not communicating mm -hmm. efficiently through your means of communication. Mm -hmm. um, so we're trying to kind of set that stage initially. Um, it starts with language, and then mm -hmm. we can build on your behavioral skills as you continue throughout the coursework. Um, mm -hmm. So the big thing for me is first understanding why we're saying the things we are and what they actually mm -hmm. mean, and that our words can be harmful or our words can be very supportive. And so, you know, deciding mm -hmm. to be at that point do you want to support people or do you want to hurt people? So here's where we're at mm. <laughs> to put it, you know, bluntly, I guess. Um, so we try to set that model for inclusion. Another thing that I really um, encourage is trying to always incorporate ethics into your coursework. Um, even if you're not teaching ethics, ethics is a very blanketed thing that we always need to keep in mind, especially when it comes to um, putting the client first. And so yes. I try to always embed those elements, always. Um, so we may, on some projects, we may have the students kind of clarify what self-validity looks like for this learner or how they are attaining mm. assent or how they are obtaining assent, there we go, um, mm. through, you know, whatever methods they're choosing for prompting or skills to intervene with or work on and build. Um, Taking the client's perspective, we do a project. I um, coordinate a functional behavior assessment course. And mm -hmm. one thing that has always kind of bothered me are FAs, functional analyses. Um, yes. And so, you know, in its most pure original format, I don't really love that because it's a very contrived, non-natural like, I agree you can get benefit from it. I can see that from a clinical mm -hmm. standpoint. But at the same time, yeah. anytime I would run an FA previously, I would always get results that I'm like, these don't seem accurate. Oh, maybe it's because we were in a different room and we were with different people. And like, mm -hmm. we were doing all of the things that are opposite of when I see the behavior occur. So why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, big fan of the PFA. Mm. If you need to do one, um, PFA all the mm -hmm. way. Um, mm. But yeah, it, in that project for FAs to kind of give the students experience, I have them do FAs on each other. And it's like, you're mm. gonna do this on Zoom, you are going to be uncomfortable, and I wanna hear what you experience as the learner. Everyone has to be the learner once. And so mm. what were your thoughts? Did you enjoy it? Will that make you think twice about running an FA in the future? Cool. How will that impact how you develop your FA? And so we try to take the client perspective as much as we possibly can in an asynchronous mm. course. <laughs> and. Mm. Um, reflect on those things that's a big one yeah. um and you could do that with any project you know like totally. um i ask my students a lot for feedback you know when you're describing this plan that you're going to use for a young autistic learner you know i struggle with some of those things would you put the mm -hmm. same plan on me 
Why not? Mm -hmm. Oh, would you not talk mm -hmm. about your learner in this way like you would your professor? Oh, well, if you would talk about me differently, that's ableist. So we need to break mm -hmm. that down as to why you have different perceptions of me as your professor versus your client who is not vocally mm -hmm. communicating with you. So um, I think that, you know, that's kind of just a few general approaches. Um, I also think I love that. that. Our, yeah, and our assignments also need to be accessible and we have to have flexibility because we may be modeling the wrong behaviors. You may have students in your group who are not yet aware they might be neurodivergent or they may have specific needs for accommodations or a certain yes. way that supports them. And yes. I mean, I didn't. And so I think, man, what if I was in this class? Would I have been okay with this type of assignment in the way? It, mm -hmm. So I have, you know, kind of like a backup option, which it gets to the same point of an assignment. But if the format and delivery of it will work for you, then we, you know, we'll talk about doing the other form. Um, I haven't had to do mm -hmm. that very often, though. But I want to make sure everything's mm -hmm. accessible because if my content isn't accessible, I'm not practicing what I preach. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I no, really cool. A, a bunch, bunch of stuff in there. No, great summary. Oh, yeah, a lot of stuff. Sorry. Um, and, <laughs> and, no, really good. And some really great examples. I love, um, you know, the, the, you know the, the getting the folks to do the FAs on each other <laughs> for a couple of reasons. And I love it because it's different than, and I forget what the term was, but from Rocco's episode, when we were getting early into sort of the, it was it was we were talking about stuff that was in his kind of preprint that didn't make it to the published paper, um, um, around sort of phenomena that contribute to stigma, yeah. you know, and there was things like othering and you know inspiration porn and oh you know, gosh and, yes and, and, so, and, and some of those <laughs> other things. But there's one in particular, and I forget I, I I'm forgetting what he labeled it as, but mm -hmm. essentially when you um, and and, uh, and we used to do this, um, um, you know, a lot. And I, I did this personally, um, like when I first got in the field, when I was sort of trying to teach folks, is trying to put folks in the shoes of autistic people by mm -hmm. thing, by doing things like make, by wearing like oven mitts and yeah. you know blurry goggles and you know all these mm -hmm. sorts of things and and the problems that that ensue with that because then assumptions are yeah. sort of assumptions are Stereotypes made about, exactly out. and yeah, so on and so exactly. forth. I, I love, I, I think what you've done here is sort of done the positive spin on that. Instead of sort of assuming what autistic people were, are going to feel like sensory-wise, just just imagine what what this stuff feels like to yourself, whether mm -hmm. you have when autism you or it. not. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Someone's putting hands you know, on you. Do you like that? Oh, exactly. you don't? Then why would you do it? Exactly. Same it's thing. not just autistic folk that aren't gonna no. folks that aren't gonna like this. It's anyone hundred percent isn't gonna like this. And, and the that's, difference is and that's, the power is stripped. That's yes. the difference. And I think it's just a much better way of kind of teaching perspective by removing sort of this, you know, ableist stereotyped assumption of the diagnosis of of the characteristics of the person with the diagnosis. Yeah. And embedding that in there. That 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 is just that that's super. That's ableism like to the t this way we're yeah scratching all that out of there and just going how do, do you what feel? you do to yeah. anybody and they're not yeah. gonna like it you know yeah the, mm -hmm. and, and there's a Ultimately. reason why there's a reason why kids don't go to school or kindergarten like neurotypical kids don't go to kindergarten and spend all day doing dtt at a table 
Oh, right. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Know, yes. And if they did, they'd all, you know, the parents would be up in arms and and, yeah, and, and the kids would hate school and so on and so forth. Yep. So wh- why do you not think the autistic kids would also be up in arms and hate Bingo. school? And, and yeah. all those sorts of things. So I, I love that. There's a... Yeah. Um... Related to that, sort of thinking about just being anti-ableist. So we've definitely yeah. talked about some ideas around sort of things you can do when you're teaching course. Oh, the other piece before we get to that that I, yeah. that I also loved and to to your point of of getting the getting the kids getting not the kids getting the students. It's, they seem like kids now because right. That's how almost, I feel. I'm almost fifty. Um, yeah. but, um, um, Thirty-eight, but and I when, still say yeah, it too. My kids. <laughs> there you go. So when when these sort of you know nineteen and twenty year old undergrads are you know mm-hmm. sort of their first year or whatever, um, you know I, I love that you that you want to get this stuff into them before yes. they get too deep into the science and too deep into yes. the field. You know, com- like I've always I've always thought about when I was working in I used to manage a group home uh, years there, ago there. and and I had always thought. My dream job would be to work at the community college that these group home staff go to um, so that I can yes. hammer in this stuff long before they get, you know, oh, this huh. skewed perspective from working in 12 different agencies and 12 different group yeah. homes, you know, and, and, you know, because they keep quitting for different reasons um, and, and you kind of hammer those skills and values in early on and, mm-hmm. and basically also say, listen, is this for you? Let's find out now, not, you know, yeah. three years, four years, three degrees in. So I love mm-hmm. that you're, that, that you're, you're taking on the, the first year folks. I think that's the, that, that, I think that's a, I think that's part of it. I think, I think yeah, part of is. In, embedding the neurodiversity affirming practice is getting folks before they've learned, you know, the non-affirming More, practice. Not to do. Guess, yeah. For lack of a better mm-hmm. phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and allowing them awesome. that opportunity. Like, and I present yeah. the information where it's like, Hey, this is a debate in our field. You yeah. can pick a side, but yeah. this is the side that, you know, we're presenting to you so that you get, yeah, equitable time so yeah totally it's important really cool so going to the next question um what are maybe some things actions that you know the aba the aba providers can take to kind of be anti-ableist i think some of them might be some of the stuff you just said like i think yeah. you know if, if a new aba provider like maybe like if a new AB provider, maybe like an RBT course, for example, Harry, you know, maybe those R- RBT courses need to have perspective taking and role playing. Stuff you're and, talking about yeah. in there. I think that'd be, that'd be great. What are some other things you think that ABA providers could do to sort of be more anti-ableist? The third secret word is awesome. Yeah. I mean, we've seen an increase in, you know, professional presentations and accessibility to um, more diverse perspectives on service delivery recently. So I would definitely start with educating. Um, and I, I think you probably know at this point that my stance is you can never know everything. And um, this is especially true about how culture evolves, especially with mm-hmm. disability. Mm-hmm. And so um, kind of staying abreast on that. Um, if you yourself are neurotypical, um, I would highly encourage you to be involved and be involved can mean many different things. So just exposing yourself to the communities that you're serving. And so if you yourself are neurotypical and you're serving an autistic learner, 
and you're trying to teach autonomy and self-advocacy and inclusion for that learner how can you do that if you yourself don't understand the expectations of the autistic community um that learner there are several different groups within the autistic autism autistic community by the way um <laughs> but it's important to like have awareness of that and say hey you know what some people like to use identity first language and that's fine mm -hmm. some people like to use person mm -hmm. first i'm going to show you why people like these and then how about you pick what you prefer and um mm -hmm. you know having the awareness of this is the community that this person will eventually be an adult in because i'm assuming mm -hmm. that most learners are going to be children um but you know knowing mm -hmm. that just how to connect an individual to where their identity mm. could possibly be is very important yeah. and that doesn't mean that like um if you're joining an autism subreddit on reddit for instance um mm. there are some that are like hey if you're neurotypical um just please listen and don't post but then there are others mm. that it's like feel free to post but keep in mind that if you give like an answer or if you give an opinion or something um, mm -hmm. we're not going to really acknowledge as much of what you're saying because you're not a part of the community mm -hmm. itself that we're representing. So um, in that regard, I would just sit back and listen, read, learn yeah. all about the community and just kind of see how those inner exchanges work. Um, so that's a big one. Um, focusing first always on the client. I think this can be started in supervisory services as well. And you can do role plays, you can do um, simulated FAs, and you can do all of those tasks and supervision as well on site. Like I have mm. the disadvantage of having students seemingly less time because we're asynchronous. And so those mm -hmm. few moments that I do get to have that impression, I see a lot of like old school clinical approaches. And so mm -hmm. we can embed those into supervision as well and just say, you know, how would you feel if you were the learner? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And teaching self-advocacy, autonomy skills to clients, that should be our first step, regardless of what mm -hmm. we're seeing behaviorally. Because once you teach those self-advocacy skills and how to create boundaries and serve themselves with their own accommodations, guess what? Mm. Problem behavior will probably decrease. And so you will have to worry about those things as much. And so giving mm. learners their voices and trying to build on those um, learning disability community preferences on frameworks. So like the example I gave with person first versus identity first, um, I always ask, you know, what do you prefer? If you're talking about a specific person, like an FBA or um, an mm. intervention plan or whatever, you know, what do you prefer? Oh, you don't know? Mm -hmm. Let's go over the options here. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, stop using inspiration porn. You kind of mentioned that. That's um, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, no, really cool. Small things. <laughs> Bit of a tangent. I'm wondering about, I don't know what your thought is. I, I think about this a lot when we talk about sort of neurotypical versus neurodiverse. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of a couple of thoughts. Like I, I, I mean, I, I know I'm neurodiverse, so maybe this is just my own. Maybe this is I already have a skewed perspective here. But I feel like it's quite likely, like sort of the 
the actual kind of definition of neurodiversity, you know, if, if we're still using sort of the Judy Singer kind of angle, which I think we don't have to. I mean, it's it's that's 1998. A lot a lot a lot's happened since then. I think yeah. I think our ideas around neurodiversity don't have to be her definition. But I, I think when she kind of put the definition out back then, it was essentially the idea that you know, you know, no brain is the same. You know, and, and and really that we're all neurodiverse, like mm-hmm. every single person is neurodiverse. Um, and I kind of feel like neurotypicality isn't even a thing, like is it That's actually where I real? Said. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, it, in fact, and in fact, I think people that maybe we look at as we call neurotypical or or people that maybe identify as neurotypical, I think these are folks that just haven't had the opportunity to sort of you know, participate in a, you know, whether it's through counseling or what, or through other, some other sort of, you know, mental health sort of forum, uh, participate in a, in a, in a, in a deep sense of sort of introspection and self-reflection and, and just, you know, or, or, or dig deep down into your childhood. Because I, I think yeah, if everyone went to a therapist or a psychiatrist, there's a good chance everyone would come home you're walking out with alphabet yep. you know exactly and of course that's a whole other problem i mean the sort of accessibility and stuff colonial well that but also the colonialized sort of dsm label thing and 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 and, and i i I had uh i've had some some interesting discussions on sort of you know uh, i had a lot of great discussion with uh with uh with uh, uh a behavior analyst named uh Naomi Tashara, there. Uh, and she's a, a native Hawaiian BCBA. I love Twitter. Um, and uh, really cool. Um, yeah. And and really talk and she's talking she she talks talking about, uh, um, uh, you know, just kind of the, uh, the 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 culture piece. And we talked a lot about because really? I uh, I talked to her and then I did an interview with a guy named Grant Bruno, um, and he had a similar concept where kind of First Nations folk. And similarly, um, you know, native native Hawaiian folk um, have a completely different perspective on on sort of autism and uh, you know other kind of neurodiversities, um, um, and and they're not sort of disordered sort of perspectives. They're much different, you yeah. know, culturally. You know, and and you can listen to those episodes to kind of learn more about that. It just, but it just made me think that um, um, you know like our whole concept of neurodiversity is based on labels that we got from, you know, ableist mm-hmm. folk, you know, yep. um, like it's all messed up. It um, is. You know, Agree. And, 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 and so, you know, even the debates that we're having, you know, UNT folk, and da, 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 well, you know, you're like, it's all, it's all language, right? It's all, Inter. you know, tacting and, and, and how you communicate and, um, with like-minded yeah. or similar topography communicating 100%. groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it just makes me think that, you know, you know, it's not about being neurodiverse affirming and, and if that's and even her. a thing. It's about, you know, just being good people, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and treating people and with respect to and, and get on their and, level. And, and trying yeah, to understand 100%. what they're saying and you conveying that information back. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think, I feel like we're just adding more 
more jargon to the already messy jargon pot that we have. Um, and, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting to see kind of where, where we are with sort of this whole neurodiversity concept 30, 40 years from now. Um, yeah, you know, I agree. Uh, assume, assuming we're still around. Don't come with it. That's right. Um, so what are some things maybe that, you know, folks should be then if these are the things that act, if those are the actions that, you know, providers can take to be anti-ableist, what are some things that, you know, both families, but also, you know, young RBTs and new BCBAs should watch out for when they're looking for either a company. So again, you know, if it's families, they're looking for services and if it's a, a new, new, new folks um, looking for a place to work to sort of, you know, you know, maybe avoid or watch out for, or, 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 or kinds of, you know, you know, quest, questions they might need to ask. I, I just saw a post on, on Facebook that someone said, you know, that someone had made the comment, they noticed that a lot of these really big sort of, um, and this is not a thing we have in Canada, but in, in the States, you have sort of these big kind of, um, you know, uh, what, I don't know what you call them, but the, the, uh, these ma these massive ABA companies that are you know oh, clin clinics. clinics, but they're like investor sort of funded and or whatever. Anyway, that yes. that those companies yes. tend to be, according to this post, the, 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 this person was observing or asking or, or noticing a trend of these companies trying to recruit brand new BCBAs, and the theory was because they There's, don't know uh -huh. what's what. Um, and, and they won't know yeah. they're going into maybe a place they don't want to be in and, and that could lead to burnout and sort of those things. So I'm just wondering kind of what are some, I don't know, I don't know if red flags is the right word. I know that's been a term that's come up lately and some folks have been, been yeah. struggling with that term saying, well, we should be looking at the green flag. We should be looking at what are the positive things you should look for, but you, you well, yeah, gotta look but for both. We also yeah. need to understand what behavior you're yeah, replace. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, the big one that I definitely see a lot with students whenever I kind of challenge, why are you doing this the way you're doing it, is, well, that's how my clinic does it. Mm. So traditionalism um, and routine, and I love mm. routine, don't get me wrong, routine is amazing, but we shouldn't get into a habit of doing something just because that's how we've always mm -hmm. done it, because that's not evolutionary mm -hmm. and it's not humanistic. Yeah. So... Um, you know, that is probably the number one thing I would definitely reinforce um, is don't just go with the flow. And if you're a student or you're getting supervision, just to throw out there, now is your time to shine. Ask questions. And if you feel like you can't ask questions because it's going to be met with defensiveness, especially when it comes to topics about humanity, like about treating people as people and not something mm -hmm. less than you know, you probably need to be thinking mm -hmm. elsewhere um, because you shouldn't be scared to ask yeah. questions and say yeah. why. Um, I had a student um, discussing one of the clients, you know, of course, in an approved and consensual way um, about what they were doing in mm -hmm. therapy. And I said, well, you know, I did you develop this plan? And she's like, no, you know, my DCBA mm -hmm. did. And I said, okay, well, um, 
I would, if I were you and you feel comfortable doing so, go ask your BCDA, why are we using this skill? What is your long-term vision mm. of this skill? Mm. And what is the outcome that you're anticipating? Mm. And she's like, you know what? I never asked that. Mm. I should mm. go ask. And so she, came, she comes back and she's like, so we rechained, we redid the program mm. because she couldn't give an answer. Nice. And she was humble enough to say, oh yeah, I'm not really sure why. Yeah, let's do something a little more applicable. And it's like, but that's... Yeah. And it's like students, I don't know if they just think they don't have the power to influence mm -hmm. any of that, but you mm -hmm. do. Like a lot of times BCDAs are very, you know, busy and they don't always think of things. And unfortunately that does lead to cutting corners mm -hmm. and traditionalism. Yes. And so those new ideas, it's your opportunity in particular as a student yeah. to express yeah. those. So that's a big one. Um, you know, if someone's only communicating with parents, caregivers, teachers, et cetera, and not making an attempt, a minimum an attempt to communicate with the learner directly Ooh, and try to speak yes. their language, big one, big, huge red yes. flag. Um, I mean, everyone in the individual's environment is important as well, but ultimately you are serving that yes. person. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and say, oh, well, we really want to get rid of this hand flapping or whatever. And I'm like, but is it harmful? No, then I'm not going to mm -hmm. do that. What we might do is we might try to find alternatives yeah. and say, hey, this is an option too, if you want to do yeah. this, but we're not going to punish this learner for doing something that's soothing yeah. to him. So um, that's a big one. And so, you know, kind of communicating that and having the education to support those claims yeah. and say, well, hey, yeah. actually, you know, I, I know that you're neurotypical. Yeah. And so let me kind of explain what my understanding is about um, soothing and coping and all this other sort of stuff. So there's that. Um, physical prompting without obtaining assent, mm -hmm. big one. Um, never, you should never ever, unless someone is going to, I don't know, um, get hit mm. by a car or something yeah. like that, never put hands on somebody unless you have their assent. Yeah. I feel like this should just be common yeah. sense. And we have, we generally work with such vulnerable populations who are susceptible to all forms of abuse. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like rule one should probably be maybe we shouldn't put our hands on people and teach full mm -hmm. compliance because at that point, guess what you've done? You've groomed mm -hmm. them. And there are people who may not have the best intentions mm -hmm. out there that will have contact with your learner. And I know none of us want to set our learners up for that. So, you know, thinking mm -hmm. that way hopefully can help. Um, Punishment and extinction strategies when you have not exhausted all of your reinforcing options. Um, extinction is a little more preferred, mm -hmm. but ultimately, like, there are alternatives to escape extinction. Yep. And um, attention extinction can kind of lead to some complex post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. behavior mm -hmm. um, and traits. And so we really want to be cautious on how extinction is applied if we do choose mm -hmm. to use extinction. So... It, it shouldn't just be the end all be all. We'll just use extinction. I mean, there has to be alternative yeah. behavior. There has to be antecedents mm -hmm. in place. There has to be something to replace that end result. Totally. Um, any emotionally abusive tactics. So anything that involves gaslighting, minimizing a person's experience. I can't tell you how many times I've heard um, well-intentioned people. I'm not, you know, like attacking anybody directly. And sometimes we just say these things because we were raised hearing these mm. things. And so it becomes part of our language, but, um, you know, having a learner say, you know, like this hurts. And then having someone look at the spot of alleged pain and say, 
oh, it looks like you're fine. That's minimizing their experience. What if they're reporting an interoceptive issue and you just basically told them it doesn't hurt? You've just set up that learner yep. for years of potential medical yes. gaslighting, case in point. <laughs> and so you don't want to, you want to say, hey, if that hurts, um, you know, maybe we could try putting yep. it in ice or we could put a Band-Aid on it. Would that make you feel better? I'll let you pick which one you want. Um Instead of just saying, oh, it doesn't, or it's mm -hmm. not hot in here, or, oh, you're mm -hmm. fine. Um, you know, those are small-scale, emotionally abusive behaviors. And so we don't want to speak on behalf of somebody, yeah. especially for a learner who may not already have that power. Um, you know, having any sort of similar-aged goals um, can be problematic because everyone develops, regardless of neurotype, non-neurotype. Yes. Everyone develops at different rates and at different milestones, and we're all different, yeah. right? So um, that similar age peer nonsense, mm -hmm. and I know that a lot of our assessment formats will kind of rely yeah. on that as a basis, some more heavily than yeah. others, which is also a problem. And um, they're and they're also yeah, uh, it's like there's also the the gender bias piece there. So you yes, know, and race. Assume assume that this four year old is not only needs to you know, yep. play with four-year-old toys, but they need to be trucks because they're boys or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And culturally insensitive in yeah. some regards. And yeah, so all of those things, I, I could yes. talk all day about yeah. formal yeah. assessment yeah. protocols, but, and I tell my students to watch yeah. for those things, like who's authoring the research, who's authoring the protocol that you're using. Are you aware that it is a white male who might be in a position of privilege who had access yep. to that um, means of publishing? So, you know, Keeping that yep. in mind, um, not only to, you know, be aware of um, some of those issues that can occur, um, but also having the perspective to say, this is something we need to grow on as a field. Very important. Um, and yeah, I, I would definitely say not focusing on stereotypy generally. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing it. Um, I would also focus maybe on not reducing stereotypy mm. in and mm. of itself. Um, generally, stereotypy is not going to promote harm. Mm. So that's a big one. Um, what about sort of, maybe we'll stop you on that one. Yeah. Everything you're saying of 100% makes a lot of sense, especially the earlier stuff. That, that, that's good for folks that were getting the sort of things that I think we've heard other people talk about quite a bit. I have a question about the stereotypy one because that often gets um, um, argued against. And I'm, this is this I'm I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I don't want to reduce stereotypy stereopy, stereopy either. Yeah. But there's often an argument that, and, it, and I'm curious if there's actually kind of and actually read but to do it myself um, for a while. If there's really research that supports this sort of angle, but there's. Many will say stereotypy, you know, is sort of a gateway to SIB. And so we should stop the stereotypy because it's such an SIB precursor or whatever, or it's going to lead to SIB eventually. You know, I mean, there are certain stereotypy, obviously, that, you know, isn't the, you know, I think one like this is not going to lead to SIB. Mm -hmm. But things like, you know, people that are going like this, like light ray or whatever, or like yeah. gas lightly, and the and the theory and, and, and the belief that it's going to lead to, you know, sort of more, you know, intense stuff. So we should stop it. What what what, what do we say to those folks? I would actually reverse that, and here's how I would approach it: where if you're saying that you have a behavior which is a lower 
magnitude, lower intensity, and does not result in harm, but it's leading to one that becomes, that's a response class. And what do we always say about reinforcing behavior at a lower response level? Mm -hmm. You should probably actually be emphasizing the stereotypy at the low intensity because once you get rid of that, guess what? You've taken away a coping mechanism or you've taken yes. away a self-soother and then would have to soothe in other ways and that becomes problematic because, oh, I'll get what I need if I bang my head on the wall now because yes. you took away my hand flap and I yes. don't know how to express to you that I need that. So nice. I response classes tend to be so overlooked and yeah. um, ultimately you're trying to get to the same means to an end here and mm -hmm. I, I would much rather have someone flap their hand in front of my face even if it's not my type of stem mm -hmm. and my type of stereotypy than to have them hit their head against a wall because I have taken yes. away that low intensity behavior that they engage in all the time for one that they engage in some of the time that hurts them it's mm -hmm. it's an issue of like what's actually worse here and I yes. don't think that that's it yes <laughs> personally no, that's cool. That's a great answer. I love that. Um, just looking at the time and, and, and thinking you, you give it another nice segue. Um, uh, I, I, I think we could go on about all these topics for hours on end, and, and, and I would love it. Uh, it would be fun. I don't know that the listeners would, but... The Dr. Arnold Podcast, part, part six of seven. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but... Um, uh, I wanted to maybe hear a little bit about what you're working on now, and and uh, and particularly that the, the article, the article inside or the, the work, the project that's not published yet. Um, and and uh, I and I see the connection here because we were just talking about response classes, uh -huh. and you're looking at precursor behavior to abusive behavior, basically, and and so that. There's the, the, there's the segue. So can you tell us a little bit about what, what you're looking at in, in, in this project? Sure. So being late diagnosed, um, accurately late diagnosed, um, kind of led me to think, man, you know, what sort of information or services or whatever could I, or at least knowing how I think and how I perceive and experience my environment how could this have helped me knowing sooner? And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of information that's coming out about emotional abuse in particular with romantic relationships. Um, I myself have experienced some of that with gaslighting, minimalizing, um, you know, all those types of behaviors. And generally that can lead to other types of abuse. And so identifying those early level low intensity <laughs> like we were talking about with self-injury self versus stereotypy, um, identifying those behaviors early on can actually probably help prevent getting into those worse situations. And so identifying it, establishing effective communication with a romantic partner or partners um, and kind of understanding how that works is kind of where I came from with this. So I'm focusing on late diagnosed and it does have to be formal formal diagnosis. Um, it can be self-identified um, late in life. So after the age of 21, autistic women, non-binary persons, anybody who basically is not male, <laughs> natural, or is it natural born male? No. Assigned male at birth. There we go. Um, who identifies as male. Um, so anybody who does not fit that profile is 
basically eligible. Um, and so it's taking a, a modified app with a BST training that's kind of identifying some of those precursors, giving it a label, and then saying, okay, now what would you do in the situation? How would you communicate if you're going to communicate? And um, yeah, so it's to hopefully so help identify some of that. So you're looking at uh, basically the precursor behavior of what could be a potential abuser. So yes. It, 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 so if you see so-and-so gaslighting you or maybe engaging behaviors that are kind of yeah. Still controlling wall. or whatever, yeah. you know, Easton Wally is controlling, uh, being able to recognize those yes. and either talk about it with their partner and say, listen, you, you got to stop doing this. You're, you're, you yeah. know, you're, Before it becomes you're a fighting me is to say cool or get out. Of the relationship before you know because because i think we all we we definitely know that um uh, you know uh, anyone with any kind of uh you know uh, developmental disability of any sort is way more likely to be abused than someone who's not and so being able to 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 recognize some of those things um uh, uh is is really important that's a really big big deep topic <laughs> big deep talk but important topic um and have, has ha, has any work on this been done before um not in the scale of using bst um yeah. and not in late diagnostics that i'm aware of so this was strictly independently driven yeah. <laughs> so yeah i'm Cur curious how you're you're able to sort of determine what the precursor behaviors are and how do you, like how do you know those are precursor behaviors to abusive behavior yeah so um i i can't remember the source right now at this moment but sure. um kind of identifying just common emotionally abusive behavior tactics so it's like stonewalling if you have somebody just stop talking to you altogether and won't tell you why and um right gaslighting so basically saying that didn't happen i don't know what you're talking about and yep. making you doubt everything that you experienced or whatever so i took um five of those types of behaviors and i just kind of embedded them with examples and saying hey what happened to this scenario was this an example of this this or the other and um, right. yeah so it's just to kind of put a label on it and say hey what you're doing could possibly be gaslighting me I don't know if you yeah. want to do it, but hey, I wanted to mention that. And if you have a receptive partner, that communication line becomes open. And then, oh, I didn't realize. Let me work on that. Um, so, yeah, it's just to kind of serve as a first step. It's not just I'll right. just leave the relationship and that's it. Because people can change. No, no. I guess what I'm more wondering is, and and I think you kind of answered it, just not knowing the story. You kind of go into sort of, because I know there are like, there's actual journals on, there's several journals on abuse. Um, um, and did you kind of go into the abuse literature and sort of look at tied down, yeah. you know, like maybe like a, a counselor interviewing, you know, someone who's had a history of abuse and they've learned through those counseling sessions that these types of things were the first things to happen. And that's how you, they kind of, you kind of determine what these possible precursors might be. Was that kind of where you found that stuff? Yeah. yeah, I still need to do a little more digging into um, literature, but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm finding that it's just commonly a close step is to have emotional abuse and then it becomes yeah. physical or sexual or whatever. Um, 
So yeah, it's just a small step. And uh, that must be that must be must have been or must still be a bit difficult. I mean, you know, like to to read that stuff and it is. and and you know, and especially being someone, you know, you know, and I'm not. We haven't had this conversation, and you haven't said whether you ever have it. I'm not looking for you to, yeah. but you know, you you you've iterated that you've definitely precursor behaviors of the past. Um, you know, and to sort of as someone as basically as someone who this this project is intended for, it, that, that's going to be difficult to sort of oh. you know tap into some of that stuff and so deep, yeah. you know. I think it's less challenging for me to look at that research because I'm like, I'm going to try to change it, right? Yeah. So I look at it as an opportunity, but I I think it's harder for me with the cognitive dissonance and that's still like very, very real in everything that I do where it's like, yeah. you know, that first OCD diagnosis, I was like, oh, I thought I was like everyone else. You know, it's the same thing. Like when you realize, oh, that person was manipulative or engaged in a lot of potentially emotionally abusive behavior, I just wasn't aware of it. Yeah. Uh, it that's harder. And so some of the self-validity, I call it self-validity because the individuals participating are self-identifying. But um, in the validity measure, I basically ask, you know, do you think you could have avoided a past abusive relationship had you been aware that you were autistic? <laughs> Yeah. And um, I think that's so important because that's the whole reason. It's like if we diagnose later, I mean, your possibility of suicide goes up tremendously um, because you have that lack of awareness of identity and yeah. you don't know. Yeah. Oh, like You might have something underlying that isn't being addressed like ADHD or yeah. something like that. And so your quality of life is just way more difficult. Um, so late diagnosis is not ideal. Um and then having the understanding of how you operate as a human being helps reduce you having to mask and bone out and go through yeah. all of these things that are just so important. Yeah. It leaves you way less vulnerable to ill-intentioned people. So I know a lot of this seems very mentalistic, but I'm trying to do my best to explain it behaviorally. I, I, I won't lie. I, I mean, some folks have heard me say this before, and I, I don't think the people that care about this even listen to the podcast anyway, but, you know... Mentalism is my least favorite concept in the whole, in, in in our field, mm -hmm. and I I don't I I don't know what's wrong with it. Yeah, mentalize away, you know. Um, well, it's all connected, right? Like yeah, yeah. We can't cook without your cookware and other, exactly. just your recipe. Like you have to have all of it. Your all any other kind. You know, you had your your you are sort of all over the map in a good way with. <laughs> with your topics any other kind of funky things that you're working on that's my big one right now i'm just trying to get yeah. that going and then if i can get that sort of political rft thing kind of underway like i said i yeah. just really need to collaborate on that one because yeah. me myself not my area yeah. maybe rocco's your man i i have talked yeah. to rocco so yeah. um, i'm gonna yeah. reach back out and say hey very nice right on yeah yeah no he's a great guy <laughs> um this was so fun. I I I love this interview. This was really cool. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm I'm really I'm really happy you agreed to come on and we're, you know, willing to step outside of the comfort zone. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. 
there's so much cool stuff and so much valuable stuff for I think a lot of folks. There, I think folks are really gonna gonna find gonna find this uh, valuable, but also I think you know autistic folk I think are gonna be a little more empowered from some of the stuff. And I hope I really hope that um, you know those who are you know uh, you know in supervision or teaching courses, which I know there I've got a lot of folks that that listen to do that. Yeah. Um, really think about some of the stuff you said and even reach out to you as they're looking for more thoughts on kind of how to how to design their courses and that sort of thing because I think they'll be I think, I think, I, I, that, this this is what we need what you're doing is what our field needs to get out of the gutter and so we we I, I'm hoping more, more follow your lead and um, well, thank you yeah. that's a big yeah. big thing to carry here <laughs> uh, no 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 pressure. Just keep Good doing pressure. what you're doing. The 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 the, uh, the 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 pressure is on the listeners to pay attention, and and start thinking about how they're they're delivering services and how they're delivering, you know, the courses and teaching students. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, and continue yeah. to improve. Of course, exactly. <laughs> yeah, never be an expert. No, never. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. So great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cool.